This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. And Michael, we have a series of questions based off of our current preaching series on Genesis. And uh, I know you've been doing a lot of study on this, so it should be easy to answer these questions. Are you Simple. ready for the first one? Yeah, I'm basically a genius with every answer to every question. <laughs> every Actually, there's so many questions that have come in that I'm like, we need a special guest. Yeah, we need someone special to come in here and answer these questions because yes. they are flying in here. You know, it's challenging though because in these questions, uh, there's there's a line between uh, theological, biblical knowledge mm-hmm. and science. Yes. And the, the misnomer here is that— uh, The two cannot be compatible. Well, my, here's my challenge. Yeah. Uh, my challenge is, so what about dinosaurs? And I'm like, I'm not a geologist. I'm not yeah. a paleontologist. Like, now I can look at some higher level stuff. I can read mm-hmm. stuff. But at the end of the day, it, get, I said it again at the end, end of the day. day. Yeah, at the end of the day, day anecdotally, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> no, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a, uh, there are some fields that I am not, I am not equipped. I can give you my best answers. I can sure. look at ideas. Yep. And, um, what I'm equipped to do is to teach the Bible, theology, right. et cetera, morals, yeah. ethics, we are philosophy. Pastors, theologians, we are not scientists. Correct. And um, and so like there are a number of like fields that I can um adequate adequately dabble in. So mm-hmm. like um the world of uh, ethics and morality and philosophy sure. and logic, et cetera. Like I can I can play in those. Um, and yet, um, we just got to know our limits. Mm-hmm. But that's right. A lot of the questions that people don't realize are they're not actually scientific questions. That's that, right. That they're is, philosophical questions. Yes. Um, yeah. And so uh, we'll get to some of these. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna try. So like, it's hard to find the right people with the right base of knowledge to answer really specific questions. We're gonna go yeah. out of our way to yeah. try to give some of the best answers. And uh, at, at the end of the day, though, uh-huh. you got to do your hard work. Yeah. You got to think. And you got to ask yourself, what is my primary concern? Is it theological? Is it scientific? Mm-hmm. And then how do I filter data through that lens? So anyways, it's, it's fun questions. And, yeah. um, well, this first question is really more of a philosophical question rather than and, and theological rather than scientific. Yep. Because it reads, in the creation account, how is there light before there are suns and stars? And, and obviously, we include the moon. So— yep. Why don't you just share with us what you share, share with the audience today, what you mm. shared with our church uh, in the sermon? Yeah, I mean, this part of the sermon is like, it's like in the middle of a 56-minute sermon That's right. on creation. So mm-hmm. like probably most people aren't going to take the time to, to listen. To listen Although to the, it, the sermon will change your life and you'll never be the same <laughs> for what it's worth. Um, all right, so uh, if you're reading the Bible and you're a scientist, right? First and foremost, like um, it has to be logically proven, et cetera. Like I get that and I appreciate that. And mm-hmm. I love science. I'm not anti-science, but like if that's your primary lens, you're going to look at the world and you're going to be like, wait a minute, Genesis 1, day 1, God God, God uh, lets light shine on the cosmos, oh, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's the first thing he does. The entire um, world, whatever, is filled with light. Okay. That's great. Um, but then uh, you would think that what he means is the sun because the only point of reference we have for light is sun and stars or fire, basically, um, yes. or electricity, which is basically, con- you know, mm-hmm. controlled fire. And so, um, all right, fine. So I, I've I've got that down. I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, but then you get to day four and then the sun and right. the stars and the moon are created. And now I'm frustrated 
Because if I'm if I'm a scientist, that isn't logical. And I agree. Yes. It's not logical. Now here's my issue. Science uh, has two assumptions. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna say primarily um, the scientific worldview that even a lot of Christians are approaching the Bible with has mm-hmm. two assumptions that are not accurate when reading the Bible. The first assumption, which pe- Christians don't even realize they're doing they, this. They don't realize they are yep. making this assumption. So number one is Christians read the Bible with the assumption, they don't even know they're doing it, I want to be clear, mm-hmm. that there is no God or that there is no miraculous intervention, one of the two. Yeah. Because the scientific theories and questions they ask take out of the equation a divine intervention. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's let's be honest. I don't know how, why Christians do this, but we'll say, oh yeah, we believe God created the world. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. That, okay. Like that's, that requires a level of power. And then, and then you ask them, um, could God have done it in 24 literal days? That's ridiculous. (laughs) Right. Really? Which which one is more ridiculous? Which one is more difficult that he created or that he created in a shorter period of time? Correct. And if he wanted to take thousands of years, he could do that. He's going to do it in 24. If you want to do a billion, I don't, my point is, my point is saying that it's interesting how we ask questions that assume that that like oh god god would never do that. Yeah. God would god must obey the logic and laws of science. He would never intervene into space-time and history and violate laws of the universe. Hello. Uh, hello, that's miracles, what's called miracles which is like happens all the time throughout the Old and New Testament. God can do that yes. and uh, and it's not like he's hidden from us the fact that he loves to intervene into our laws of the universe and bend them to display his glory. That's what he can do. So that's the first assumption. We we unknowingly assume that God could never or would never violate the laws of, of science. That's that's assumption number one. And assumption number two is very simply uh, this, that God um, has intended this to be a scientific explanation of how things worked. Let me just say it like this. Whenever God does a miracle, he's probably bending science. Yes. And so you would expect— He's going outside of the normal realm of science. Correct. And so when God goes outside of the normal realm of science, you should not expect to use science to understand miracles. The whole point is that a miracle bends those laws. Yes. So those two assumptions that God wouldn't or couldn't intervene or that it has to be explainable by science— really is going to destroy the whole point of the Genesis account. Now, let's let's get get to what I think is really valuable about this. Um, when Moses was told this and Moses penned it down, right. it wasn't lost on Moses. Sometimes Moses we think didn't of, have a problem with it. <laughs> right. And and this is the thing that I've I've had people ask this question as well. And for whatever reason, even as a young student of the Bible, I didn't have any problem with this. It's like, well, of course we can have light without having the sun or moon or stars. I mean, we flip a switch in our house and we get light with light bulbs, you know, and you read through the Bible and you read that God demonstrated that he is light. Yep. So I think people, people assume Moses is dumb. Moses was phenomenally intelligent. Oh, absolutely. Um, Moses was no dummy. And a lot of times, again, people look at uh, ancient Near Eastern cultures, and and if you're not really well studied, you you people do assume like, well, those are Bible times, yeah, and people, and people weren't, weren't that weren't smart. smart. Yeah. Well, guess what? They have the same brains that we do. Yeah, they have incredible right. learning institutions. They didn't. They, they accomplished incredible technological Absolutely. feats for their day. Moses 
was very intelligent. And he he would have been yeah. trained in the house of Pharaoh. Absolutely. So I mean, logic, he l- logically yes. would have had the ability to speak several languages. He would have had teaching in mathematics and science yep. and, and the other cultural literature things that of that day, he would have understood engineering. He would have understood many of the things that masters and and PhD students understand. Right. So when he writes Genesis 1, 1, 2, and 3, where he talks about the the light being created, and then uh, a few days later in in the fourth day, uh, creates the sun and the moon and the stars, it's not lost on him. Mm -mm, But let me just give you a theological understanding for what, well, A, we know God can do this. So let's just yeah. take that off the table. Is it impossible with God? No. The whole fact that he created the world in, in seven days, six days of creation, one day of rest is already miraculous. So again, the, the Christian has to stop trying to say, how is it scientifically proven? He bent the laws of mm-hmm. nature to do yes. this. Like that. That's why if you don't believe in God, then this story is inane. Of course it's inane. Because if you don't believe in a God who's divinely intervening into human history— then this is impossible. That's right. We do believe in that. And so I don't expect science to be able to make sense of how the world was created in, in six days. That it's never going to make sense of that. Right. I'm not trying to put off questions though about fossil records and dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. That those yeah, are we'll legit questions. We'll yeah. get to those later. But um so here here's the very simple issue. Uh the beginning of the Bible begins in a certain way and the end of the Bible ends in the certain ends oh, in yeah. the same way. Yes. Okay. So we begin with the garden, we end with the garden. garden. We begin with God with his people, we end with God with his people. Mm -hmm. But there's a really interesting um, reality about the end of the Bible. At the end of the Bible, in Revelation chapter 22, verse 5, it says this. The great passage. And night will be no more. And they will need no light of lamp or sun. For why? Because the Lord God will be their Light. And here, here's the point. First Timothy 6.15 tells us that uh, God is the King of kings and Lord of lords who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light. Now, right. here's what I want to get at. When God creates the world, um, everywhere God goes, his glory is emanating from him. Right. Now, that's hard for people to understand because we've never seen God. But the glory of God is often described as light. Yes. So it's this idea that wherever God is, is a blinding, unapproachable, shining light that crushes everything mm-hmm. in its wake. Yes. Even Moses like could barely take in the shadow of God, let alone the glory of God. Yeah, you're talking about when Moses went to the Mount Sinai, when he went to the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, and he asked God, can I see you? And God says, well, you can't see me, but I'm going to let you see the just a little piece yep. of me. And that little piece of God was so bright that Moses came down glowing. And, his, and, his, and his face was glowing. Yep. And I think this tells us something that uh, God knows that until we have glorified new bodies in we the new heaven and the new earth, look at him. no aspect of creation can survive under the weight of his unapproachable, glorious right. light. That may sound like hocus pocus to the non-Christian, but every time um, God is displayed in his glorified self, he is in glory. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because there's a character that comes up in the um, Old Testament called the angel of the Lord. We've addressed this in the podcast, yes. but yeah, yeah. every time the angel of the Lord comes up, it's Jesus. Yes, and, I agree. Uh, and so it's uh, Jesus takes human form. Well, every time Jesus takes human form, let's just be clear, there are aspects of his glorious light he is restraining. He is restraining and leaving in glory. Absolutely. So the only way that God can come down 
down and walk with man in the cool of the day, who was Jesus, That's by the right. way, uh, is to lay aside some of these aspects of his glory. Not that he is less glorious, but he um, lays them aside so he doesn't crush humanity with his unapproachable light. And so here's, here's what we find here is that uh, the light that is in Genesis 1, or days 1, 2, and 3, is simply the light that emanates in glory from the glory of God. And when God begins creating and forming, I should say, life on earth, right. um, that is when he restrains his light and creates lesser lights. Lesser lights, and he does that for a very specific reason. So we don't all die under the weight of his glorious that's majesty. Right. <laughs> I mean, and, that's right. Yeah. And plants, animals, we need those lesser lights for seasons, for days, for Absolutely. periods of time. And without those lesser lights— yep. Life as we know it cannot exist. It's unsustainable. We have no reference point for time. Like people don't realize that when God made the sun and the moon and the stars and he He was giving us the basis and the foundation for time and the mm -hmm. marking of time yes. and so many things. God really just blessed the world in so many ways, but had he not restrained his glory, we would all be dead mm -hmm. and humanity would never have been able to thrive, which is another point that needs to be made is that when God created the world, he did not create Adam and Eve with glorified bodies. He knew they were going to sin. And the new heavens and the new earth after the resurrection, we will get new bodies that can handle the glory, the light, the unapproachable light of God. I, I've wondered... Um, I'll just throw this out for our smarter people if you're really, really intelligent and you can give me a great answer. I've often <laughs> wondered actually because light seems to be the byproduct of the glory of God. Uh, is light some kind of like eternal reality? Um, now, one part of me says no because light is matter. There are protons and those have to be created. But I wonder if there's something about light that even before the creation of the world, some aspect of light always existed because wherever God was, there is light. I don't yes. know. So smart people, you think about that and uh, send me some good answers. Um, but the reason God did this is because he was serving and blessing humanity That's by right. restraining himself. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, when he gives us new bodies, we go right back to the state. There's no sun. There is no moon. There are no stars. Why? Because we can handle now the glory of the light of God. And uh, what's interesting is even when God created the sun, he created the sun and stars with an expiration date. Yes. Um, they inevitably will burn out. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love that even in the creation of these things, uh, he never made them to be permanent. And you can see that in their very design. That's right. And uh, so I just appreciate how God did all this. And um, I appreciate that um, when we look at this text, uh, if you try to make scientific sense of it, you won't. But when you mm -hmm. understand that the glorious light emanating God can do this, and this is actually very normal and explained in Scripture. That's right. This, this sure isn't is. crazy yeah. at all. And and I have a hunch that as Moses just saw the shadow of God, <laughs> this text actually might have made sense for made, the first Yeah, complete time. sense for him. Yeah, I wonder if he was like, why didn't, why didn't, why didn't you just make the sun at the beginning? Yeah. Oh, oh, I get it now. Because we couldn't handle that. Right. Yep. So. Yeah. Well, listeners, please come back next time when we answer another question from Genesis. And it says, a day is like a thousand years. So could that be the same in the creation account? And the reference is 2 Peter 3, 8, 9.